Welcome back to the Paralegal Voice. My name is Tony Sip, and I'm here with Joy Morale. We're going to talk about 2024 and some of the new changes that are happening in the law and how we can actually do a better job of making ourselves more valuable to the profession. Joy has an incredible program that she's developed in helping new, experienced, in the middle of the road <laughs> paralegals that they can be better. Joy is wise enough to actually capture the fact that this is where the legal field is going. And she gathered that information early and she made a program about it. And honestly, I'm going to join her program <laughs> because I'm about, I'm about that as well. So please welcome Joy Morrell. Thank you so much, Tony. And I just want to say thank you to everyone that's listening. And I do apologize in advance. I was just coming over uh sickness coming from legal week <laughs> so yeah yeah i missed that i did legal week in 2019 but no 2020 but then i haven't been there since because of covid but i heard it was an excellent event and there was a lot of great great vendors and uh presentations and new technology that was out there and about that technology is your expertise you are like really good at making sure that people around the cusp of new technology. So can you tell us a little bit about what you experience, like as far as technology, AI, and what you do with your courses to help people develop their skill set, even if they think that they don't have that skill set? Yeah, no, definitely. And I think that's one thing is that technology is a tool. I've always really wanted everyone to focus on that it's a tool to help you leverage what you do in your job every day and what you have to deliver. So just going to the topic of AI, I know it's like AI everywhere. I mean, right? I mean, it's just hilarious. Like it's AI. I was just watching something about, you know, TVs and movies and now songs are being, you know, generated by AI and all this thing around that. So I think AI obviously is seeping its way in every aspect of our lives, but it's already been there. I think a lot of people don't recognize that, you know, Netflix. So you watched a movie and it says to you, oh, you might like these, right? It was calculating some algorithms based on some AI, right? So it's been around for a while. And even in legal, we were using dolphin search, gosh, almost 15 years ago, I think even not more, but using the artificial intelligence based off the great uh, scientific research of dolphins. It's crazy, right? But again, it's just really evolved to being more accessible and available to people. You know, you see ChatGPT, I don't know if you've tried it yet, but learning how to just ask it a question. And some people look at it as, it's just Google+. Plus. I'm like, yeah, I guess you could look at it as Google+. Plus. You ask it a question, it tells you an answer. But if you can really learn how to just write a prompt more creatively, it actually can write something for you. Now, I don't believe in just taking that and copying and pasting it. To me, it's something to, you know, look at and and you should be reading and asking yourself, do you agree with this or don't agree with this, right? Like it should be helping you be more creative, right? It's a tool. Exactly. Technology is a tool. But when I look at AI, sometimes I see people developing AI for legal because it's AI in legal versus really looking at how it's going to find its place and making attorneys and paralegals have a better workflow maybe bring information and make it more available to them. 
so that they could be better at crafting an argument or, you know, fighting, uh, creating an opposition brief or something like that. But you know, I just think it's interesting in how AI is in research, AI is in drafting, right? There's just so much out there. And again, it's a tool. And a lot of people are scared because they'll say to themselves, I'm not technical. I can't, I can't understand this, right? And I always tell people that the definition of technology from like 50 to, 50 to 40 to 30 years ago, you know, you had to be an electrical engineer. You had to be a mechanical engineer, right? You're, you know, when you said you were technical back then, you're building the, you know, a, a spacecraft to go to the moon, right? But right now it's like, if I could use my remote control on my TV, I'm technical, right? If I can use a new version of the iPhone and you don't know how to use it, guess what? I'm the technical one now. So it just seems like the definition of technology or being technical has changed. And what I find is it's like we live in the age of technology. That's what all the children born in the last 20 years, right? People remember how Atari was like, <laughs> I know. The biggest thing in the world. Exactly. That was like the biggest <laughs> Right, that was the biggest consumer or bong, whatever pong or whatever pong it was, right? right but that right. was like yeah, the yeah. first consumer-esque <laughs> technology, right? And, and mass. When you think about it, people talk about the computers that they first designed when they were like two, right? In the in the in the 80s. But when you look at it now, I mean, just kids born in the 80s, it's just started, it's all technology. And we thought when we think about legal and technology, people said, Oh, that next generation's gonna solve the, is going to solve the problem. And what I go to with that is that it's business technology that we're working with in legal, right? We're working with how a business operates. What's the human resource software? What are the software that controls your clocking in and clocking out of a, for employment law, for example, if I need to know when you punch in and punch out. So those aren't the technology systems that teenagers are playing with growing up. And so I don't see how that solves the problem. They are more technical, yes. They understand um, social media and the different ways of communicating. Definitely, yes. And that's what we're collecting from now, right? Direct messaging and Slack and Teams. Like, There's just so much going on in the way people communicate outside of email. So I think that definitely this next generation has a leg up on previous. But when it comes to who we represent when we have clients, it tends to be in in our world, right, of larger organizations uh, from a law firm perspective, corporations, government agencies, right, clients that have to deal with employees. So there are systems that are business-oriented systems that are still foreign to people. So how we collect it, how we survey, you know, monitor it and survey it, that still relies on a lot of forensic vendors. How do you use tools to collect it? But there are professional vendors and partners out there who do this for a living. And that's why I really have always enjoyed meeting with vendors. And that's why I enjoy Legal Week because I love to see the new tech because yeah, it's right? the best thing I mean, right? ever. I bring so much swag back. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so much so, fun. Uh, I so miss those days. <laughs> I know some people have to bring an extra suitcase just for all that stuff. I really do. <laughs> I have to stay away. I'm a, I, I, can, I can be a little bit of a hoarder when it comes to all these things. I'm like, nope. No more stuff for me. <laughs> but I love the fact when you go around, you know, you look and, you know, those are what those people who are inventing and creating these new or innovating these new areas of technology, that's their specialty. And a lot of them I see are either attorneys or paralegals, like people who saw a problem, realize that now they can solve it now, 
right? And so they've been working with different programming companies. You see people who actually are programming companies in different foreign countries. They have programmers. So, you know, building an app or building a software package isn't as expensive as it used to be. You know, I'm not saying like to go on to Fiverr and it's going to cost you $5, but, you know, you still have the ability now to find and utilize resources around the world. If you have an idea, it doesn't have to just be your idea anymore. You can actually move towards creating a solution for our industry. And if you go on that floor, there's a lot of people who had an idea and they jumped on it. And I'm so, again, proud of our industry. I wish, you know, I joke with a friend like, gosh, 30 years ago, if we knew that we could do it, who knows, who knows where we would be today, you know, because my brain is about solving problems all the time. But but I do applaud everybody who's taken that brave step to, one, invent something new, but also the user. Like I said, people don't think they're technical. And I just applaud those who step up and say, I want to learn it, who step up and say, I don't know, but can you show me? That to me is why I've really been focused on training people the last, I'd say, decade. Because when we are working um, in big law, I'm very fortunate that we have a lot of applicants who come to us with years of experience. But now legal technology, needing to know how to use technology in legal is not just for big law anymore. It's solo, small firm, midsize, it's government agencies, it's little municipalities that don't even have their own law team or law group, right? There's always something that's legally oriented or compliance facing that needs technology bravery. To your point, Joe, you have people coming out of school. One of the biggest questions I get is that you have people that are legal, they're new to the field, and they're having trouble getting a job because they're, you know, I, I don't have the three to five years of experience. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to do a subpoena. Those are real examples. But they have their A sets or their sets. They have that. But for the people that don't have that, you're going to help me tie that together, is that that's the future make sure that you have that skill set with you other than knowing litigation knowing e-discovery is going to be something that's going to benefit you long term so coming out of school even if you don't have that experience what is something that you would suggest or advise those people even the people that are been in the practice for a while and they just realize that you know, every time something happens, Sarah keeps getting this job on this practice, on this team, because I don't have that skill set. What would you suggest to those people to help them increase their career, make it more beneficial, and make them more indisposable to their firm? No, definitely. That's a good question, because I think I get that a, a lot in different forms, because some people aren't always ready to ask the right questions in, in this way, right? So, for example... You want to get a job. And my question really is, well, what job? You need to really be focused on what you're trying, what job you're trying to get. Because you do need to balance. There's two sides of this coin. You mentioned they don't know how to, they've never drafted a subpoena, but then they also maybe don't have their ACEDs or don't know much about e-discovery. So just right there, being focused on what kind of practice do you want to do? Do you want to be an employment paralegal? Do you want to be a transactional paralegal? You want to be a real estate paralegal or um, wills, estates, and trusts, right? 
you need to really focus of your area of interest first, because you can always expand. I'd say, let's just start somewhere and let's take one step. So let's just start by saying, what do you want to do? And some people say, well, I don't know what I want to do. Okay. I'm like, really, it's a blank slate. Okay. All right. Well, then how much money do you need to make? Let's start there. Like, what do you need? What bills do you need to pay? Right. Because everyone has a different background. They're, they're, they're entering this workforce um, from a different area. So some people might be in the position to invest in themselves. They might be in the position to kind of marry up their past career to where they want to be now. Like there are people who've been in real estate, maybe from a banking perspective. Wouldn't it be awesome to leverage what they know from the past into their new career? And maybe they didn't love their old career, but there is this institutional knowledge that they're going to bring right to this so that they don't start at zero. I think that's the biggest thing too, is don't underestimate your past lives in regards to your career, because you can, you know, build upon it. And hopefully with the right complementary training on technology and practice, you wouldn't start as an entry level person. You might start as a third level, right? Or third year equivalent, because you do understand the industry that you're entering. Does that make sense? It completely makes sense. And we'll be right back after these commercials. Filing court documents, serving legal papers, collecting electronic signatures, all critical parts of the litigation process, yet ones that are time-consuming and error-prone. But what if you could do more straight from your case or document management software? InfoTrack automates data entry, document selection, tracking, and information syncing across all these core tasks and more by integrating with your core systems like Clio, Smokeball, Leap, MyCase, and others. Spend more time on substantive legal work and less time on busy work. Learn how simple it can be at infotrack.com simple. Delegate out those tasks that take up your time. Staffy can help you with your legal, administrative, marketing, and even client-facing workload. Hiring Staffy's top-notch bilingual virtual staff means Staffy does the recruiting, hiring, and training for you. Then, if you need a change, Staffy handles it. You get to concentrate on your strategic work. Schedule a free consultation at staffy.cc. That's S-T-A-F-I dot C-C. And get $500 off with code HAPPY24. Welcome back to the Paralegal Voice. I am here with the illustrious Joy Morale, and we are discussing just being in a position as a paralegal or a legal professional to be better for 2024. So we were talking about putting ourselves in a position that our education is accelerated. And I want Joy to just continue on her conversation about what it takes to be a professional, a legal professional in 2024. I would say, like we were talking about before earlier, is that I believe in the local paralegal associations because they really know their market and they're really, again, bringing in local resources who work in those areas to actually teach something. So I remember going to the LA Law Library and LAPA had done something and then brought in an attorney that was teaching. So Again, going to your local paralegal associations and then going to your national paralegal associations, there's so many continuing learning education opportunities out there. So don't sit back and say, oh, I can't learn anything. 
two, going into your community colleges or the schools that actually have paralegal programs, because there might be some special, if you already have your certificate, there might be some special one-off classes that they're putting together. I know that I did a like a weekend database training at UCLA Paralegal Training Program. So that was open to everybody. So again, just kind of seek and you shall find, right? Really, that's what I was saying before about knowing what you want and then making that one step forward. So education. And then the question is practical. People talk about, I can't get a job because I don't have experience. I can't get experience because I don't have a job. So I know that there are a lot of temp jobs. I mean, I personally seek out staff sometimes for projects. I mean, you know, we sometimes do video redaction for SB 1421, which is uh, police body cams and dash cam. So we will teach people how to blur faces and what to, we'll teach them the law, you know, so there are opportunities. I know that we do, and I know other people do it too, that go to temp agencies and see and register. And again, tell them and give them your resume for your background, because there might be something from your previous career or even in college. I mean, I worked in the computer lab in college, and that turned out to be the one thing that someone saw that, you know, brought me into a law firm. So you never know what someone's looking for. For example, in patent and trademarks, who knew that it's very science oriented? I mean, I never filed for a patent, so I don't know. But all of a sudden, you see, I have, I have it. I don't, I have, I have no idea. But I not yet. Yeah, that, not yet. <laughs> that's true. Not yet. But you know, the fact that they are looking for science oriented people who have a paralegal degree, I never knew. Who knew? So there's a lot out there, and I would say LinkedIn. I would, I ask people look at your own resume or look at your background and go look for the job that you want, you know, and go look for people who work there or who have a similar background to you and link and and connect with them. You're going to be amazed at how many people feel that someone helped them. So they want to pay it forward and help someone else. So don't ever not try to connect with someone just because of you're scared. A lot of people, you'll be surprised if you just write them saying what you are looking for. Maybe I don't know about, people now, but back when I was um, graduating from college, I know like 25 years ago, Tony, but <laughs> I'm not saying your word. <laughs> <laughs> it Go seems on. like yesterday. <laughs> it's, it's just interesting. Like we used to do a lot of informational interviews. Like you used to, you know, that's what I did. Yeah. I, I did the same thing. Right? And I don't yeah. think it was email. I think we must have written letters. Or no, something. we actually like, <laughs> I can't remember. We, we talked face to face. Yeah. Maybe that's it. Maybe I called them. Set up some date. Yeah. You know? And people would actually meet with you for coffee for 15 to 30 minutes. And they would tell you about their job and what they would recommend. And they weren't my formal mentor. Right. But they weren't formal mentors, but that was mentorship. And I think, again, People are looking for mentorship, but they don't. They say they don't know where to find it. I'm like, well, are you looking for it? Because you can find mentorship in I, I, gosh, I watch Mel Robbins, Simon Sinek. I mean, there's so many people that I watch and I consider them. Gosh, they may not know it, but they're my mentor, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, the unknown mentor. But a lot of these people put these things out there for us to get and maybe find one granule of inspiration. And so anyway, that for me, I think that there's a lot of resources out of it outside. And if people get lost, that's why I created what I call parkour and par journey is you're not alone. I've always spent my career making sure people didn't feel alone because it is lonely 
when you are working at midnight <laughs> doing a document production and everyone else is gone and you're like, wow, <laughs> I'm alone. But I really felt that as I grew up in management that I wanted people to not feel alone. And I also wanted paralegals because I worked directly with paralegals, right? Our team was litigation support, but I wanted them to know that we're here together. We're a team and we're all supporting the attorneys who are supporting our clients. I think that our community is small, but mighty. We're really tight, I think, as litigation support, but also as legal support. So there's a lot out there. So I just want to encourage all the paralegals that if you're already a career paralegal and you want to like get into technology, there's a lot of free classes now. If you look online, it's just amazing on how many people have uh, made education available to everyone. And I think to me, it's, you know, when people say democratizing legal technology, education, it gets kind of technical for you. I'm like, look, everyone needs to get up to a certain baseline. I believe that it should be free for a certain point when you can make sure we all are speaking the same language. You know, when we talk about discovery, it was it went to e-discovery. Now people are back to saying discovery because discovery is a phase in litigation that uses a lot of electronically stored information, but so does real estate. So does mergers and acquisitions, right? They're doing due diligence. All those records are electronically stored information. ESI is not just for litigation, right? It is something that's even compliance. And, you know, when you look at all the different white collar crime divisions and all the different, you know, they're all, there's all, people are doing raids and grabbing computers, right? That's all e-discovery. That's all ESI. That's all, it's all data. And so I just hope that paralegals don't get scared. I was thinking like, I feel like sometimes people are techno bullies. I feel like it's technical intimidation, right? And don't be scared. We're all here together to learn together. Yeah, it's true. It's true. E-discovery was something that was like really kind of foreign to me until it wasn't. But it was really interesting getting into the field and trying to develop my skill set. So that I'm a better <laughs> candidate, you know, moving forward in the profession. It's hard. I'm not the expert. <laughs> I, I know that. I know that there's so many people that are way smarter than I am that are killing it. But I want to get there. I want to get there and I want to make sure that, you know, I am passing it forward as well. You already know that I'm transitioning jobs. But what I want to leave behind is a path for everybody. And to make sure that, you know, even if something that is just mandated by the firm, I want you to have that ambition, the care, that drive to do better and make sure that you're, you know, contributing the best you can here or somewhere else. It doesn't matter. And you mentioned that it's about the individual, right? So, you know, when we, as a manager, we have a budget to spend, sometimes we have a budget <laughs> to spend on training for our teams or our staff. But sometimes it's just financially not enough to send someone somewhere, right? Because right. you can imagine sending someone to... Thousands. Yes, exactly. But our budget, if I remember, like, what, $1,200 a person sometimes. It's $100 a month. Sometimes I have to only send half the people or maybe a third of the people because there's just not enough budget. And number one, some people don't ask for it. They're waiting for their management to tell them, hey, do you want to go here? That's not usually going to happen because we do have this constraint on budgets. I'm going to wait for someone to ask for that training because I hope that you want the training. I Sometimes when I send people to training and they're not ready for it, 
They're not like they're busy. It's not the right time in their life right now. They're not focused. They're not really absorbing. And it's really unfortunate. But that's why I think as a person, as an individual, you have to figure out when you're ready. You have to figure out what you want. Like I said, kind of get focused and think about how do you learn the best? Do you love watching videos? Do you love hands-on training? Some people actually rather read and highlight. I mean, <laughs> that's not me. Okay, that's not me. <laughs> I know who you're talking about. Yes. Right? Yeah. So figure out the modality of learning that works well for you and then go out and get it, right? And again, going back to Par Journey, now we're also um, in April, we're going to be, I'm, just, I'm here in Dallas actually, to sign and get ready for our Par pop-up, bringing in live training local to different regions because people do need, some people do need to learn in person. I feel that COVID has kind of taken that away from us for the last three years and that people have been doing a lot of online training. And sometimes they'll take training early, which is great, but they haven't had a chance to get the practical exercises because their job maybe doesn't do that kind of practice area or they don't allow that person to do that kind of level work. So I'm hoping that the PAR pop-up being something that's in-person allows for hands-on training, relevant practical experienced training, like experiential training, networking with the local bar associations, with the paralegal associations and the law schools, paralegal schools, and then the legal community alike. So we'll see. I'm crossing my fingers that Dallas will work out well. And I figure that, you know what, in a 30-day, it's like our LA Par Center. Tony, you know how we have the Par Center. So, you know, hopefully we can bring that in person one month at a time in different cities. And then hopefully people will then start to feel comfortable with online learning or continuing education online. So we'll see. We'll be right back with our conversation with Joy Morrell. Hey, Guy, what's up? Just having some lunch, Conrad. Hey, Guy, do you see that billboard out there? Oh, you mean that guy out there in the gray suit? Yeah, the gray suit guy. Order up. There's uh, all those beautiful, rich, leather-bound books in the background. That is exactly the one. That's J.D. McGuffin at Law. He'll fight for you! I bet you he has got so many years of experience. Like decades and decades. And I bet, Guy, I bet he even went to a law school. Are you a lawyer? Do you suffer from dull marketing and a lack of positioning in a crowded legal marketplace? Sit down with Guy and Conrad for Lunch Hour Legal Marketing on the Legal Talk Network, available wherever podcasts are found. We're back with our conversation with Joy Morrell. It's something I do with like my paralegals, 30 plus paralegals that Woo. I manage, but there's some that just let me know. It's a, such an important point that you brought up that those who want more for themselves tell you, I want more from them for myself. And when that happens and you understand the business of law, the practice of law and moving forward, you can create opportunities for those people. You know, you can connect with a vendor that is going to train you how to do the search and make this work, you know? so that you're in a better position to help. If you don't ask, you don't say, don't speak, don't, then you don't get. <laughs> so you got to tell people what you want, you know? And if you don't tell them, they're not going to know, you know? And I want people to like succeed. I'm a big advocate of survivors. Like somebody who wants to thrive, who wants to be better, who wants to be, 
great. Tell me, <laughs> and I'll make that happen. That's what I'm saying. A lot of us that are at our heights now got here because someone helped us. And again, like you said, we want to help people, but unless you ask for it, we don't know who you are. And to be honest, again, sometimes it's not the right time for you. So I'm not going to push it on you. I want you to come to me when you're ready for it. And I also want you to, again, articulate what goals you have. Because sometimes, like I said, technology sometimes is built just for technology's sake. Sometimes I'm like, why'd you build this? What problem are you solving? (laughs) I don't think this is going to go very far. But, But the same thing with training. If you just take training randomly with no real goal of using it, no understanding of how it fits in the big picture, it's going to go in. And then it's just eventually going to seep out because if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And you don't have to physically always do the work to not lose it. You just need to be actively thinking on how that whatever you just learned works within your framework of your job or your career. So e-discovery, for example, you may not be mired down with e-discovery protocols every day. But if you can go take your ASEDs, go take some ASEDs training tracks that you can come out being more consultative. When you're in a meeting with a client that's not even going to go to litigation yet, you could be already thinking about these things that we have to think about. You know, has the legal hold been established? Who are the players? What are the dates, right? I mean, because you have already learned certain things about how what's going to happen downstream, you could be better about consulting upstream. Again, that's what I mean about being actively using it. You don't have to be running a production every day to get your money's worth of your training. If you think about it, the fact that you get your CP or your ACP increases your value. Having e-discovery on top of that increases your value. Everything increases your value, which means that the firm can bill out more for you for that reason alone. So as long as you understand that and what your value is to the firm, I think the important thing is to remember, understand your value. Yeah. And value is defined differently by different companies, by different partners, different clients, right? And so understanding what value means to whomever you're reporting to or whomever you're servicing, right? So some people value keep this project on budget. Like that's what they're going to, but some people like time. We want you to shorten the time and that's what we value faster, faster, faster. Some are quality, right? Like I'm not saying you don't always get quality, but there is an iron triangle of quality, time, and cost, right? Like that you can only get two is what they'll say to you, right? (laughs) If you want it fast, well, it might not be expensive. It might be expensive, right? If you want that quality, you got to think about the balance and all that. But as an individual working in the legal world, um, my value has always been being a support to lawyers and their clients and my teammates, um, whether they're paralegals, legal secretaries, office administration, just being a valuable member of that ecosystem and listening to what they need and then giving that, helping them as best as they can achieve that, right? I'll be in a meeting and it's interesting how many people are talking, but they're not listening. You know what I'm saying? Like, we'll be talking about a problem and I just look to the left, look to the right and like, are we hearing the same thing? Like, it's just interesting to me because the person sitting there nodding, but I realize they're not listening. They're waiting to speak. Knowing yourself and how and what you need is a big, important step in your success. I'm not doing that right now at all. At all so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> but you know what I mean? But, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I think you're active listening. I can, I can see it, right? 
the point being that recognize that everyone has some kind of agenda, whether you're a pleaser. I, I think I'm more of a pleaser. Some people have a very driven agenda to, to hit a certain height by a certain time in their career. Just know what that is so you can learn how to navigate all that and just be the best you can be within that situation. Joy, it's always a pleasure talking to you. And thank you for doing this interview with us. No, thank you. First of the year. <laughs> so <laughs> I really, really, really appreciate it. So, you know, to recap, just make sure that you stay on top of your expectations of yourself and your career and what you want. Let people know what you want to accomplish, you know, for yourself and, you know, moving forward throughout the year. And don't be shy. Go after it. it. Go (laughs) after it. Who are you not to shine? You know, go shine. Be amazing. (laughs) So go shine. Don't worry about shining too bright. We can just put on sunglasses. (laughs) That's it. That's it. That's the truth. That's the joy. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody. Until next time, uh, this is Tony Sub with the Paralegal Voice. Have a great day.